Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Samp and Chance. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson. Joined, as always, with my man, Mr. Chance Michaels. Chance, how you doing today, brother? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Can't complain, man. We are one night away, basically. Here we are. It's Friday, Friday evening. Uh, the sleep before Canelo versus John Ryder. John Ryder, man. Wow. I can't wait on for this. Pay-per-view on the zone. On the zone pay-per-view. Cinco in de Mayo. Mexico. In Mexico as well. So uh first off to all our Mexican friends and Mexican listeners out there. Happy Cinco de Mayo. I hope you celebrate with your families, your friends, your loved ones, and everyone is safe. Um, we all know who Canelo Alvarez is. I don't think we really need to tell the fifth, you know. the fifth highest paid athlete in the world. That's yeah, on Forbes, on, on the Forbes list, he made that yeah. right, one hundred and ten million dollars he made this year. Um, but here, let's talk about John Ryder really quick, okay? Um, so John Ryder, aka the Gorilla, he's a middleweight, super middleweight, stands five nine, has a seventy two inch reach. Born July nineteenth, nineteen eighty eight, he's currently thirty four years old. He is a southpaw boxer. Uh, 37 total fights, 32 wins, 18 KOs, and he's lost five. Um, I'm only telling you this so people know who Canelo's fighting. Yeah. Okay? The most notable names that he has fought were uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Daniel Jacobs and Callum Smith. And Callum Smith, right? And um, Yeah, and he lost to Callum. He lost to Callum. He beat Daniel and Jacob. And lost, and he lost to um, Billy Joe. Yeah. Right. So, why does he deserve a title shot? Because he's the interim champion right now for the WBA. Is it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So this is Canelo's mandatory. That's why he gets it. Yeah. Um. Probably not, but. And this is more of a tune-up fight for him to fight Bibble. I mean, Canelo will win this fight. I don't think he's going to knock him out. I think Canelo wins a unanimous decision. Ryder's tough. He'll be a game opponent. Canelo will, you know, win eight rounds of four, nine to three kind of thing. But, I mean, John Ryder will have his moments here and there. Overall, Canelo will dominate most of the fight. I see this going into unanimous decision. Canelo for the W. What do you think? Well, I mean, Canelo for the W, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean... I think a lot of people are sleeping on John Ryder here. I, you know, and, he's going to hold his own. He's going to hold his own, and I think again. I uh, hope he wins. I don't like Canelo. I would love to see look, him win. Look, look, here's the deal, and we've talked about this time and time and time again, right? Like you know, we talk about the face of boxing. Who are the faces of boxing? Here is why Canelo is the face of boxing. He's fighting John Ryder, mm-hmm. a guy who has a name in the UK. A guy who has a name in boxing circles with people who know what boxing is, right? But he has a name nowhere else except those serious. You put him in the ring against a Canelo, and it's still considered a pay-per-view. It's only Canelo and uh, Fury that can do that. Right. So this is why I'm saying that this is the prime example of a guy who is the true face of the sport. Um, take nothing. Canelo's record is unreal. Fifty-eight and two. That's a lot of professional fights. Fifty-eight yeah, wins. Yeah, no, but, but I think you know. Let's just be realistic about those fifty-two wins. Forty-six of them were soup cans. Yeah. Taxi cab drivers. 
And I was looking at the Vegas odds. They're giving no respect to John Ryder. John Ryder is a nine to one underdog, a hundred bucks, yeah, eighty nine hundred bucks on him. So if yeah, you like yeah. a long shot, there's right. your guy. Well, and again, there's levels to this sport, though, right? Why, mm -hmm. why, it's, why are Canelo and why are Tyson Fury considered to be what they are? Because they're levels above everyone else, yes. right? And and that being said, I feel this is why, you know, it's going to be a long, hard night for him because he can't find his groove. But when you're fighting lesser opponents, you have more leeway. You have more wiggle room to find oh, yeah. your groove and stuff. If you don't find your groove against one of these two guys, you're not going to stand a chance, right? If Canelo starts working behind that jab, I, I don't see this being a long night. I see Canelo finishing him fast. Yeah, um, just looking at the quality of fighters that John Ryder has fought, and these guys are all quality guys, guys. I'm not taking nothing away from anybody. Even the worst boxer in the world, he steps into that ring, he has my respect, right? But at the end of the day, he's not fought anyone of this level. He's not fought anyone of the skill set or power, in my opinion. If you couldn't beat Billy Joe Sounders and Canelo broke his face. Yeah. Right? So all I'm saying is, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not saying it's going to be a cakewalk. I think John Ryder will get his stuff in a little bit. But I, I feel this is just going to be a schooling. I really, truly do. Yeah, but I think John Ryder can hang on and get you know, lose by decision. I don't think he's going to go. He might get rocked and hurt, but I think he can stay on his feet and he'll lose. But I think unanimous decision, Alvarez is my take. Everybody's saying Canelo's going to knock him out and put him down, and it could happen. I just got this gut feeling that Ryder is game enough to hang I think, on. We'll I, I, I think Canelo takes him down that with a body be. shot. What's that? I think Canelo finishes him with a body shot. Could happen. I just feel he's going to get inside and, you know, southpaw. I mean, he has no problem with you. He, he'll fucking fuck you up any style that you are, right? So, one of the best in the world. So, and, and I think, you know, coming off of everything, you know, losing to Bivol, having all that happen, and especially fighting in Mexico after many, many years. I don't know the last time he fought in Mexico. Well, I'll tell you right now, when you're in Mexico, uh, John Ryder's not winning a decision. So even he's not Canelo out, or he's not winning on the scorecards, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, it's Canelo's either way, decision or knockout, you know, TKO, whatever the case, corner stoppage. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a corner stoppage either. Like, I'll I'll, I'll go on the line and say it's going to be, you know, a body shot that takes him out, or or the corner stoppage. Yeah, it could That's be up. That's how I see this fight playing out. I don't know, man. I just kind of look I'm at I'm going with decision. I think Canelo will box him, but I don't think John Ryder's going to go down. I think he's playing with house money. He's in Canelo's backyard. He's hungry for it, and I think he can hang on. And to be honest, man, win, win, lose, or draw, the guy's getting paid. Exactly. Quite a bit of money. Right? So, in in a way, who does he really lose? Yeah. yeah, but I think it's going to be a little more competitive than some people think, just because of no, all those... No, no, no. I think it is, but I think it's going to be just as competitive as uh, him fighting, you know... Um, oh, I just saw him fight, man. I can't remember his name. Um, he fought... Um, Benavides. Caleb Plant. Caleb Plant, sorry. I mean, that was very competitive, too, but at the end of it, that's what I'm saying. I see it playing out that way, where he just... By the tenth, eleventh round, he's just going to wear him down to the point where he's going to get him. And Canelo's power is just so dirty, man. I know, right? Yeah, like, I mean, hard. right? So, I mean, I think he just wears him down by that point. I don't think Ryder's faced that kind of power. 
I felt no, not, many, not many hits like Canelo, but yeah, we'll see. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward right. to it. He's a 91 underdog, so if people like to bet a long shot, throw 100 bucks on John Ryder and get ten times, nine times your money. There you go, man. You free ticket to Vegas. Yeah, there you go. Put a thousand bucks, pay 9K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, very quickly here, because guys, we have a treat for you on this particular episode as well. Uh, we actually had the privilege of sitting down with Jerry, Jerry, Jerry Junko this this uh, past week. Uh, we went to his studios uh, where where he holds his rings. Chance, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Jerry? We had a good interview with Vancouver's own bad boy Jerry Junko, fight promoter of forty years. Had a few uh, professional boxing fights of his own. First one in 1961. We asked him some good questions. Uh, he talks about some of his favorite Italian fighters. He talks about this ring he obtained. I won't say who fought in that ring. Tune in to check it out. And he's a great guy. He treated us well. He was first class. This is our first live interview together in person. We did one previously. I wasn't there. We set up in the ring. It's great. It's fun. It's short, but it's sweet. Enjoy it. Love it. Yeah, Thank we got to be. No, yeah. Thank you, Jerry, so much for, for your hospitality, for allowing us to into your world, man. I mean, we, we talked to a guy who's made rings for, for promotions and, and companies around the world. And I asked him, around the world? He goes, yeah, 360 degrees. That's what he said to me. I was yep. like, wow, that's absolutely amazing. So yeah, uh, big shout out to Jerry. Uh, there's a lot that he does in the city. He's from, He's a fight promoter. He's a ring maker. Um, so you got to check out this interview. Uh, some great stuff that's coming up that he talks about. And uh, yeah, you know. And while I gave a shot of his at his fights a couple weeks ago with the kids, a great event at the Fraserview Hall. People check it out. Next fight's in October. They got food. They got a bar. They got tables. They got good action. Check it out. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Definitely. You were there. You had a good time. Uh, flying mm -hmm. Rains passed out, man, I heard. You yeah, know? it was a long event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good action. But yeah, guys, please. So, you know, we made our predictions here. We both think Canelo is going to win. Uh, I, I I, wouldn't be surprised if he wins by decision, but I feel yeah, he's going to finish him by the 10th or 11th. I just think it's going to be a body shot. Um, other than that, that's the highlight of the weekend uh, in the world of boxing. Um, anything else, Ben? I'm just looking forward to everybody enjoying the interview with Jerry. Our first live sit down together. It's fun. It's exciting. Yeah, yeah. We've had a couple... Right. Uh, first one you were you joined us via Zoom. Unfortunately, you couldn't join us for the second one, but yeah. it was really good to see you, my friend. And uh, you know, it was really fun to kind of actually do this in person. I really want to do a lot more of those. We got a few guys that we can do that with coming yeah, up. Yeah, I think so. And uh, so, guys, sit back, relax, let us all into your ears as you enjoy our conversation with Jerry Yarko, um, the king of the ring, man. Yeah, check it out. Snap a chance out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Samp and Chance. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson. Joined, as always, with me, my man, Mr. Chance Michaels. And here in the middle with us, we got none other than Mr. Jerry Jonko. Jerry, thank you so much for coming on to oh, the show my, today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, Jerry, so tell us, man. Uh, What's the story? Who is Jerry? You know, I've just been promoting for the last 40 years. Uh, I started as a high school wrestling coach. And we thought, well, let's put on a fight night. So we put a fight night on. I rented a, a ring from a boxing club, and it was a piece of junk. So I thought, you know what? 
I got all the kids together, the construction class, the welding class, and we built our own ring. And it came out spectacular. And that was how, the start of my ring rental business. Now I'm the largest ring rental company in the world. Fantastic. 30 rings. Wow. When you say the world, all across the world? All across the world. 360 degrees around that globe. Wow. Fantastic. So most places, like if you go to Vegas, they've got 100 rings. You got one or two. You got one or two. Nobody has. Like in this city now, to, to build or buy a ring, it's about $20,000 for a commercial ring. And then you got to store it. And then you got to look for guys to set it up and take it down and all that stuff. It's easier just to bring me in, set it up, take it down. You go home before the... <laughs> you know the night's over i take everything pack it up and gone oh wow that's amazing so um when when like ufc for example is coming into town recent uh, pretty soon yeah. we also had the wwe here yeah. do they come to you no oh, they, okay they're their own separate entity uh wwe has their own special rings the one we're sitting in is possibly one of the best rings in north america it's a stuhart design and uh it's incredible for bumping uh, just the padding alone is about $15,000. It's wow. special impact rubber. So the guys can do the high flying and, you know, take a really good bump. Awesome. Fantastic. So, Jerry, what got you into the whole promoting side of it then? Well, again, it started from the high school. I was a wrestling coach at a high school, and uh, we decided to put on this fight night. And it went great guns. Kids fighting each other never happened again. And then the second one... We, we built our own ring for it, and we had about a thousand people in the old Burnaby South gym. And then people started asking me to rent the ring, and then a friend of mine was doing shows and said, "Listen, you're not doing very well. I know a lot of people, so why don't you put the the, um, the shows in my name and let me sell tickets?" And I was selling half of the house personally. Oh. And then it just went from there. I went to him and I said, "Listen, can I hire you to do the promoting?" And, I'll do the person-to-person. Uh, -person. And that was history. The way we went, first show I did, I lost $8,000. <laughs> Just about bankrupt myself in that day. Oh, my God. And it's been back and forth, back and forth ever since. And the first show you ever did was a pure boxing show? No, it was a kickboxing professional boxing. Oh, okay. First one done in Canada. Wow. Yeah. At Queen's Park Arena, um, April 26th, 19, or, yeah, 1986. Wow. Queen's Park Arena, that's yeah. insane. Yeah, and um, I just, you know, never looked back. I lost a fortune, made some money, lost a fortune, made some money. But what a time I've had. Cast of characters. And, you know, it's made my life pretty good. And I'm very well known in the city. And I've had an awful lot of fun with it. And you're a fight fan. You grew up boxing. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, actually, my, my first boxing fight was 1962. Frank McKittrick. I remember like it was yesterday in the old St. Francis de Sales gym. And I lost that one, but I uh, ran into him maybe 10 years ago, and he didn't remember. No. I think it was, that was both of our first boxing fights. And then uh, my last fight, of course, was um, July 19, 2010, seven decades. How many you, fights you, do you think that you had? You know, I've had in, in the ring fights, um, you know, only five or six, okay. you know, spread out through the years. Yeah. And um, street fights, over 100. And that's where it really comes from. you got to have the gravel in your guts. You can be the best athlete in the world, but when you fight, it's all mental. Mm -hmm. you know, you got to have that gravel. In it. A lot of guys are great athletes and all that, but they just don't have the gravel in their guts. 
So, Jerry, when you were growing up, you must have been a fan of boxing. Who were some of your favorite fighters as a kid or teenager that well, inspired you to get into it? Like everybody else in the world, Muhammad Ali was the greatest fighter, really. He was one of the greatest fighters in the world. And he was the first guy that would back up, still throwing punches. He could throw punches from any angle. He was people just didn't realize how what an incredible athlete he was, and how he had a, he had an iron chin. Yeah, and he got hit by some of the best heavyweights in the world, and he beat like George Foreman, yeah, it's just <laughs> the beast himself. Yeah, I, I saw a video of him recently. Even in his seventies, the guy is monstrous. Well, what it is, you don't lose your power. You lose your you lose your speed, and your um, ability. Well, your your reflexes. My last fight, my hands were like greased lightning. My my reflexes, I can see a punch coming, going, oh shit, boom, get out of the way. <laughs> you know, your reflexes start to diminish at uh, probably about 35. Mm -hmm. You know, Floyd Mayweather, yeah, he's good and all this, but he's so good, he knows what you're going to do before you do it. And he handpicks his opponents. Mm -hmm. You know, he fought Canelo on his way up. Yeah, Canelo's you know, still young, not Canelo. Yeah, yeah, young, yeah. and he just knew that, I guess his coaching staff said, we're going to get this guy, get him now. Don't get him in a year from now because, you know, he's going to get bigger and stronger and a lot more talented. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's still one of the biggest draws in the world. Yep. Him and, exhibition fights, yeah. he still sticks him, him, bucks. him and Tyson Fury, they're, you know, I mean, Mayweather, like, um, he's good. You know, the, one of the fastest hands ever. And talented enough to know what you're going to do before you do it. Because you'll watch hours and hours of your tape going, okay, he's going to step this way. Then he's going to throw this or that. So as you're getting ready, as you're taking that step, boom, he's already throwing his punches. Yeah, very similar. His dad was a fighter too. So yeah. Five year old in the gym, dad and yeah. uncle. He had that hands on, off level. Yeah. Training. But you know what? It's, it's one in a million guys, or maybe one in 10 or 20 million, they've got everything working for them. They have all the right attributes uh, mentally, physically. Uh, other guys can do the same similarities, but they just don't have that natural talent. Jerry, what are some of the uh, highlights of your promoting career that you that stand out for you? What are some of the fights that you brought to Vancouver that people revel in but don't realize the man who brought it to us? Well, you know, uh, I did the tough guys for a while, and they were they were fabulous, pure entertainment. Now they don't allow it anywhere in North America anymore because too many guys that didn't know what they were doing got in the ring. You were afraid of the tough man contest only we could enter. Yeah, and some of those guys were facing really good amateurs or, well, they couldn't fight as a pro. But you know, like, they had five deaths in one year. That was it in North America. Well, you know, I mean, anytime you get hit in the head, you just don't know what can happen. Yeah. You know, you can be a seasoned pro and just something loosens up, you're dead. Benny Kit, Brett, uh, John Kim, the list goes on and on and on of, of people that have been killed in the ring. Mm -hmm. Very dangerous. You don't know what you're no, you know, but even if you do, I mean, somebody still hits you. I mean, people don't understand your chin is delicate. The most delicate part of your head is your, your temple. Right. I actually met Mickey Ward when he came to town in 2010, and he told me that Arturo Gotti hit him so hard in the left side of his head that his brain shifted, and now he can't see that. Yeah. That's yeah. what he was people. Right? No, you know, sometimes you see a guy, he'll just slide his hand past your temple, and you're going, the guy looks at him, boom, falls down. Well, the temple is very, very, the, the bone is very thin there. And, you know, punching somebody, especially with bare knuckles, very, very dangerous. Your thoughts on the whole bare knuckle fighting craze that's kind of taken over now? You know, I, I haven't actually watched one like, because I really just don't have any interest in it. Sure. 
um, if they were really tough guys and went at it. I mean, I can't speculate at this point because I really haven't seen one yet. So I'm going to have to watch it and, and I can give my uh, opinion on it. But I, I don't think it's getting anywhere fast. Well, this last card that they had was probably their biggest in terms of names and, and athletes that they had involved. Uh, Luke Rockhold against Mike Perry. Uh, you had Chad Mendez against Eddie Alvarez. So some big names, you know, yeah. kind of flipping over. So I don't know. I, I'm not sure about it myself, but. Did you see the event? I, I watched the highlights. Okay. So what did you think? Um, I, for myself personally, yes. I'm a boxing purist, yeah. to be fair. Uh, it, it was a little difficult to watch because I'm not used to seeing that kind of combat yeah. without the padding or the gloves. So it's for me, gruesome. yeah, it's pretty gruesome, right? I mean, I think you have to have a certain, like, I don't know. It's kind of like watching mm -hmm. someone get the shit kicked out of them on the street. Let me in essence. You, let me tell you something about bare knuckle boxing. It's much, much safer than actually traditional boxing. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Please. Um, you can't hit somebody very many times with your bare hand. Right. With gloves on, it doesn't protect your head, it protects your hands. Right. You tape up your hands, it ends up being almost like a cast. So I can hit you a multitude, multitude of times. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, I, why they invented gloves? Because boxing was outlawed, out, outlawed at the turn of the last century. So some smart promoter thought, I'll put gloves on these guys. It'll be really fair and easy, and you know, nobody will get hurt. And the politicians hit it up like, like it was ice cream, but it's because they didn't know shit, mm -hmm. and they got away with it. And then, of course, there went the uh, boxing, started to climb ever since. As we know it today. Yeah. Gary, um, what are some of the, your favorite venues that you've promoted fights in? Uh, PA, I fought myself in the, in the Pacific Coliseum. A little bit too big for what we have locally, but the Agrodome is just a fabulous room. You know, the last show we did there was 3,200 people. And it's just a great feeling, great room. And we're hoping to be back there probably in 2025. By that time, I'll know where the economy's going because we don't know if <laughs> this whole thing's going to slide into the toilet. So I just don't want to stick my neck out. I stuck my neck out enough times, lost a fortune. Sure. And uh, now I, I step on the ice before I go make my first step yeah. to see how thick it is. Right. You know, I mean, I took big chances and lost big. Um, Jerry, I'm remiss if I don't ask you, you are in the possession, I understand, of the ring that Muhammad Ali yes. fought in. It's actually next door. It's next door. Yeah, it's, um, I bought it for $200 from the p and &E, Oh, wow. And if you offered me $100,000 for that ring, I wouldn't sell it. You know, when I was a kid, I was 12 years old, my dad took me to wrestling matches. Went for Billy Watson, yeah. Gene Kaniski, all yeah. those guys. And I was mesmerized by the ring. And uh, you know, my dad realized I was just so enthralled with it. He actually built me a little wrestling ring. And we had a farm. And one of the, we had a feed house there. Sure. And that just started the whole thing. And I said I made my first ring at Burnaby South High School. Right. And then somebody wanted a 24-foot ring. So we made it. I charged him $250, which is a lot of money in 1986. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I just never looked back. Just kept on making them. Some people had rings for sale. I'd buy them and give them back to them. I said, listen, I want your ring. I'll give it back to you. Just let me put my name in your corner pads. Oh, yeah, no problem. Nice. Yeah. How, how, do you, how did the Ali ring come into your position then? You bought it for $200, but how did it all pan out for you? Oh, well, I mean, I've used it in multitude of gyms myself. Sure. 
I've rented it out a few times, but I have one we're in right now. It's probably the best wrestling ring around. But um, in, in those days, they didn't do what they do now. Like even when a guy body slammed you, he took you almost two feet away from the, yeah. the ring, and it had a little give. But I mean, you just couldn't do the stuff people do. Yeah, they're much better nowadays. Yeah. But how did you get the ring? That's my question, though. Well, like, um, where did it? How did you well, find it? How did it they, come in your possession? You know, because I did a few shows at the PNE, right? And they had this ring, and nobody used it anymore. So um, they put it up for tender. Nobody took it. And I said, "Listen, you know, the ring is good. Half the pieces are missing. Blah 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 blah." They said, "Listen, come today. Give us two hundred bucks and get that thing out of here." So I bought a hundred bucks off a friend of mine, and I had a hundred bucks, and the rest is history. Oh, wow. like I said, I don't care if it means anything to anybody in the world; it means everything to me. Okay, so the Pawn Star guy in me is coming out. How would I know? How would you be able to tell people that this is the ring that Ali fought in? Well, you know, I'd like to get it into a building where I can put old pictures from the PNE, um, Buddy Nature Boy Rogers in 1962. Um, did a show at the Empire Stadium, J July 30th, 1962. There were 17,000 people there. And as a kid, an 11 year old kid, I'm running beside Buddy Nature Boy Rogers, the biggest name in wrestling at that time. When wow. you were a kid, were you more of a wrestling fan or a boxing fan? I was all wrestling. I was hoping to do the wrestling myself, but I was just too small. So I, I went over to England to try and do professional wrestling over there. But it just it just wasn't very big over there. Okay. So not those in those days. Yeah. I mean here, you know, you had guys like Don Leo Jonathan, Gene Kaniski. You had some pretty big guys. England was known for Big Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> and that day was a guy named Jackie Powell. Yeah. Yeah, he was the, the big star over there. I remember growing up in the UK and it was Big Daddy, Steve Speed. I don't and, know those uh, names. Yeah, I know this yeah, was from the Early to mid eighties, I okay. remember. I don't know too much about them. I remember that Big Daddy did a splash off the top rope and killed someone. Oh no! Yeah, in the ring, like it was. Yeah. yeah. What could happen? I mean, yeah. a two hundred fifty pound guy lands on your chest. Yeah. You know, uh, all yeah, sorts yeah. of shit. Can yeah. Happen. yeah, absolutely. When I say the name Danny Bonaduce, what yeah. comes to mind? Well, we were supposed to fight in two thousand and seven. In fact, I wanted to fight him in July seventh of uh, two thousand and seven. 777, which are my lucky numbers. Awesome. But uh, everything was all good, but there were just, uh, we had a few um, technical problems, we'll call them. So I had to cancel the show two days before the event. It's too bad because we tried to get him up here 10 days before. Rock 101 was going to um, engineer one of the rooms so he could run his daily show there. Sure. And publicity we got. I mean, it was, the whole city was going crazy. I hear about Jake talking about in the morning when I'm driving. Like, there yeah. was a lot of hype for it. it what, was, what building was that supposed to be? It was going to be at the Coliseum, and if we did uh -huh. it right, we would have sold it out 15,000 people. But it just didn't happen. And it's too bad. Did you ever speak to Bonaduce after this? Yeah, I had him up here for five days. And what a gentleman. He? Okay. He said, listen, I'm an actor. Uh, the, the crazier things I do, publicity goes through the roof. And I brought him to the Italian Cultural Center. There's a big Italian banquet on that night. And there was a lineup for two hours. And I said, listen, you know, do you want me to cut the line? He said, no. He said, when that lineup stops, I'm, I'm in trouble. Well, he was wow. great. I took him to Republic, took him to Roxy. People just lining up wherever he went. And it's unfortunate that that event didn't happen. So that was he a party guy? Did he like barbecue 
Uh, yeah, you like you said. I'm just drinking water. I found out later it was vodka. <laughs> but uh, oh, he was good. I, I went to LA and sparred with him for five rounds. And really, he didn't have much of a chance. Crazy. But if he hit you, holy cow! Very, very powerful. Very strong. Very good. It could hit like a sledgehammer. He's built solid, right? He's oh yeah, well, he's all jacked up on growth hormones. Oh, big there when he got older. Really yeah. big, yeah. Well, at the time, I told him the, the lowest I can get is probably 180. And he was 155 when we were sparring. He says, no, I'll, I'll be 180 when I get there. He had a special robe done as music and everything. Made for his own airfare up here. Oh, wow. But like I said, there was some political problems. What made you decide to do for the fight? Well, like, no, I, you know, just, I, I just wanted to do a big fight. Okay. Kind of basically my last fight. Yeah. I thought, who the hell? And actually, a guy named Zoli said, listen, you're this guy, that guy. What about Danny Bonaducci? The bad boy of Hollywood against the bad boy of Vancouver. It's a natural. Yeah, it was cool. So it took you a little while to get a hold of him, but I finally reached him, and I started talking to him personally. I said, sure, I'll come up. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So you're a big boxing fan. I really uh, I, I love to ask you, seeing all the different generations that we've experienced in boxing for me i came in early 80s yeah. and i saw Hagler, and for me that was it it was a golden um, era maybe the the late 50s going in uh, the late 40s going into the 50s was also a, a golden era of god roberta duran um sugar ray leonard hearns yeah Hagler, yeah you know and all the guys that those guys beat too Exactly, and within each other. Like, yeah. I mean, you were getting best against best at all times. Oh, yeah. How do you feel about boxing today now? Where do you? There's just nothing out there. There's no rising stars. You know, Canelo, and he's aging out. Uh, Tyson Fury is one or two fights away from packing it in. But, and I don't know how they're going to create that superstar. Well, I think right now, if you look at it, it's maybe not in the heavyweight division. Maybe Jared Anderson might step up from the North American side. Uh, but when I look at the current state, you know, the big names are all down between, and we've talked about this, they're all at 130, between 130 and 147. Unfortunately, someone was going to bring one of Manny Pacquiao's fighters here a few years ago. 130 pounds, just a sensation. I said, it, is, it isn't going to work. See, people here want to see the big heavyweights. Two tubs of lard could fight. Oh, yeah. And draw a bigger crowd than a sensational 130 pounder. There's just something about it. Like, yeah, two big guys fighting. They're heavy yeah. in boxing. You're just like, you want to see Fury versus Joshua. You want to see the big guys go at Tyson, you know, versus Lewis or whatever, right? There's something well, special about heavyweight fighting. You know, it's, it's a North American deal, Canada, United States, because in Mexico, they're 110 pounds. Yeah. And they're just like two little bantam roosters. In Europe, you can get away with lighter guys because they're really, really good. And they're going to put on a performance and a half. North America here. I mean, look at WWE wrestling. Some of these guys are just freaks. Seven feet tall, 300, 400 pounds. And that's what we want to see, freaks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, there's levels to fandom, right? I mean, yeah. you got us who are, I'll watch anything, yeah. boxing, yeah. and appreciate what I'm seeing. Yeah. Chance will do the same. I'm sure you will be the same. I, I but it's too. just like, I feel like we're catering so much to the casual fan that we're forgetting about the fans that have been here the whole time. But it's... I don't know. It's just our culture. Mm -hmm. We like to see the big guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, the little guys who 
fight with their whole heart and soul yeah. and put on a fabulous performance, yeah. eh, we're just not as, as thrilled with it, I guess. Fair enough. Jerry, who are some of your favorite boxers that you've watched over the years? Like, you know, five, name five or six guys. If there's a fight on, you had to see it. Well, my favorite, I mean, pound for pound, the toughest man on earth is Roberto Duran. No mas. No mas. Well, I'll tell you about that. That wasn't no mas, no mas. No. Uh, it was his turn to lose. And he just went, you know, Leonard come out dancing around, all that, making him kind of look like an idiot. So he just said, you know, forget you. He actually said, F you, and then got out of the ring. You think he took a dive? No, he just walked out of the ring. So I'm done with it? I, well, yeah, you're trying to make a fool of me. Okay. You know, we were going to do a trilogy. And the third one, of course, we go at it. You win this one, I win that one. And then we have the big one in the Superdome. Oh, it was wow. already booked right. for about number three. Right, right. And uh, I didn't realize that's how they I were like looking at it. I never heard that. Yeah. Before. That's, well, that's, that's different. You have you here to hear it. Take exactly. Anywhere else. Right? Uh, so they were, how, how do you? How do I how know this? How, how, well, no, no okay. I believe how you know this. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm a curious. My, my question is, is like, you know, how do they determine who's going to win the first one, the second one? That's basically throwing well, fights, if right? Len, if Leonard <laughs> won that fight, uh, it wouldn't be as exciting. Because uh, Duran won it. Now it's exciting. So the second one, Duran was going to lose. And then the third one, just, hey, guys, go at it. How do they determine who's, how does he lose it's all, about, it's all about money. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's all about money. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, listen, buddy, I'm going to put $5 million in an account offshore. Your wife can't touch it. The IRS can't touch it. Magic. Well, then we're in the wrong business, Jerry. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Who else besides Duran? Some of you, you know, guys. Duran... Um, you know, of course, Rocky Marciano, Rocky Bresciano, Jake LaMotta. I mean, they're all Italian. Yeah. yeah. I kind of lean towards that. I mean, at one time, Italian kids were tough. Yeah. They're not anymore. There's no great Italian fighters anymore. Who was the last one, Gotti? Pearl Gotti? Yeah. yeah. He was the last the one. They're graveling his guts. Oh, yeah. How unfortunate for him. But, uh, you know, now they're well brought up. You've got to be hungry, like really, really hungry to have that true, true in your guts. Do you find that that gravel exists more in the UK scene, perhaps more so than the North American scene? Oh, ten times. Well, people don't understand. Um, boxing is still huge in uh, England. It is. So Soccer is number one. Yeah. Boxing is number two. two, two. Yeah. 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 Tyson Fury and Dillian White put ninety thousand people in Yankee yeah. Stadium over six months a year ago. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, but they sell out all their arenas. Like every yeah. event is sold out. But you know they're they're fight people. Yes, very passionate. They really guys. are. Yes, I mean the four big countries for boxing is of course Cuba is in a world of their own. Cuba, yeah. Russia, United States, and England. Mm -hmm. They're your four big ones. Yeah, absolutely. Jerry, we, we should probably wrap this up. We got people yeah. coming in here to train, yep. so we want to be able to get everyone going here. Jerry, thank you so much oh, for no, this my, time. I love to have you back on the show Any, again. Uh, there's anytime. just probably so much we haven't even touched on. Yeah. Uh, so let's call this our first get yes. together. Thank you. Very and much. Uh, round one, let's call yes. this round one, round one, and let's get together for round two very and, and soon. Thank you very much. So, that. Jerry, before that though. What's coming up in the world of Jerry Yonko? What events can um, people look forward to? Well, we've got a deal coming up with the racetrack. Okay. You know, we're going to be doing wrestling there. Hastings. Do some, yeah, Hastings Racetrack yeah. okay. in the PE. And we hope to build it to be back in the Agadome. I haven't done a show in the Agadome now for 15 years. Okay. And it's time to go back. Absolutely. Yeah. Jerry, thank you so much thank again, you. sir. Very I appreciate well. thank it. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, and we'll get to round two very soon. Okay, great. All right. Thank guys, you. I hope you guys enjoy this. We will talk to you soon. Sam Pinchance out.